was a round of applause for being here today in the cold. Y'all did it. Y'all braved the cold. Yes, we know we only get about five days of the year like this, so enjoy it because it, it'll be hot before you know it. Before you know it, it'll be 80 degrees and we'll be back in shorts. That's just how it is in the south. It doesn't, unless you're in the upper southeast, then you might get a little different. I, I saw in Mississippi that it, was, it snowed a little bit today, which is interesting. In uh, northern Mississippi, they had a little snow on the ground. Well, I don't think we'll get any snow, but that's okay. That's what the uh, mountains are for. We can go <laughs> travel and adventure into the mountains for the snow. But uh, online, thank you guys for tuning in with us. So glad you're with us this morning. Uh, we're in week three of Faith School. Y'all say Faith School. And man, faith school is where our faith is getting built. We're learning about faith. We're growing in faith. And again, just as a reminder, this information that we're going over, tailoring it to the church, but it comes from Keith Moore and his uh, faith school ministry. So just wanted to put that out there, let you guys know about that. You can find his resources uh, online if you want to go deeper into uh, faith school. But today we're talking about being fully persuaded, being fully persuaded. The first two weeks we talked about why faith? Why do you need faith? Today, we're going to talk about what is faith? What is faith? And we're going to talk about being fully persuaded today. Y'all ready to go in? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you for these moments that we have to come together as a body of believers to grow deeper in you. I thank you that you speak clearly to our hearts in these next few moments concerning faith and what you would have to speak to us. Our hearts are open. We're ready to receive. In Jesus' name, Amen. So being fully persuaded, you know, there's a lot of things that you could be fully persuaded on. You know, you could be fully persuaded on people. You could trust people. You could put your hope in people and you could trust. And sometimes they'll be there for you. And then sometimes they let you down. But we could put our trust and hope in people. But today, what we're talking about is being fully persuaded and trusting and having faith in God. Because, like, you can have faith in the Easter Bunny. You know, some people believe the Easter Bunny is real. Some people, especially kids, I'm sorry if you're watching and you're a kid, but some kids have faith in the Tooth Fairy. They believe that it's the Tooth Fairy that brings money to them. And some kids believe Santa Claus is real. They believe that. Didn't want to say that too loud because some kids still may believe that. Oh, no, he's not real. No, he's not. But... Some kids, they, they believe that. It's like, you can put your faith in anything that you want to. But today, we're talking about faith in God. That's what I want you to catch. We're talking about faith in God. In Hebrews 11, verse 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The Young's literal translation, it says, And faith is of things hoped for, a confidence of matters not seen, a conviction. It says it's a confidence or faith is a confidence. So when you have faith in something, there's a confidence on the inside of you that says whatever it is that I'm having faith in or I'm trusting in, I'm confident that it's true. So when it comes to our relationship and our faith in God, there has to be such a confidence and such a persuasion on the inside of us that says I'm fully convinced that God, whatever he speaks, is true. If you look up the word faith in the concordance, it's defined as a persuasion, an assurance, and a trust. And that's what faith is. It's being fully persuaded on something. So when I read God's word, 
I have to be fully persuaded on God's word in order for me to receive it by faith. Because if I don't, I can read it. And if I'm not fully persuaded, then I can waver back and forth to say, well, I don't really believe if this is true or not. And anytime we know, we talked about this before, anytime there's wavering, there's no, there's no faith that's evident. There's a lack of faith when there's wavering, when you're going back and forth. You can't be in faith and waver and go back and forth. But with God, it's impossible for him to lie. And it's also impossible for him to fail. So God, it's impossible for him to lie. It's impossible for him to fail. And we know that his word is true. So when we read his word or when God speaks to us, we have to have a confidence or an assurance or a trust that whatever he speaks or whatever he says, that it's going to happen. That it's going to happen. So when we read his words, and we're going to read some scriptures today, you have to be fully persuaded in the word of God to say, God, I trust you. No matter what I think or feel, I know that you cannot lie, and I know that you cannot fail. So I'm going to be fully persuaded in your word that whatever it says, I'm going to say that this is true, and I'm going to be fully persuaded in that. But the thing is, there's an enemy out there that likes to speak to us and whisper things in our ear and says, did God really say that? Is that really true? Can God really provide for you? Can God really heal you? Can God really deliver you? And we get these, the enemy, he starts to speak to our thoughts and he speaks into our lives. And then we start to, to glean on that and start to lean in on that. And then the next thing you know, we're wavering back and forth and we're saying, well, I know the word of God says this, but I just haven't never saw it manifest in my life. So I don't really know if it's true. And that's what the enemy does. He plays with our, plays with our thoughts. But we have to be fully persuaded. You know, you're a child of God. And not only are you a child of God, we know who our father is. And when we know who our father is, we can fully trust in him. He will never let us down. He will never leave us nor forsake us. He will always be for us. He will come through every single time. And as children of God, we're, we're grafted in. We're a part of his inheritance. We're a part of his family. So we can trust him at his word that when he says something, you can take it to the bank. You can guarantee it will happen if you have faith. But you have to be fully persuaded, fully persuaded. Let's read Romans chapter 4. Verse 16, Romans chapter 4, verse 16 through 21. It says, therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end of the promise might be sure to all seed. Not that only one which is of the law, but that to also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. So we know that Abraham, he's the father of faith. He's the one, we, we, we're grafted into Abraham. We're, he's the father of faith. And it is as it is written, I have made thee father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God, who quickened the death and called those things which not be as though they were. We talked about that last week, calling those things that which are not as though they were. Verse 18, who hasn't hope believed in hope? Who again, I'm sorry, who against hope has believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to what which was spoken? So shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith. See, Abraham, the thing about Abraham, he wasn't weak in faith. It, when we're going to read why he wasn't weak in faith. He wasn't weak in faith. He wasn't weak, y'all. Abraham was not weak in faith. He considered not, not his own body now dead when he was about 100 years old, neither yet 
the deadness of Sarah's womb. So what is this talking about? It's talking about the promise that God gave him that said that, at, hey, I'm going to give you a son as your inheritance. Because Abraham said, what is all this stuff that you're giving me if I don't even have a son? So this is what that's speaking of. It says that he, even at 100 years old, he believed that, hey, my faith is strong that I believe that God, what God says, it will happen. Verse 20, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully persuaded, that's their word, and being fully persuaded that what he promised, he was able to perform. So we see here that Abraham, this is faith. Abraham was fully persuaded that what God promised would come to pass. He didn't waver. He didn't go back and forth. He said that he was strong in faith and there was no unbelief inside of him. Because when God spoke it, and you have to think about how as a hundred-year-old man, God says, you're going to have a child. How in the natural, we're like, how in the world is that going to happen? And my wife is 90. How in the world? But Abraham said, I'm fully persuaded that what you've promised, it shall be. So this is faith. It's like it doesn't matter what the natural says. It doesn't matter what I think or feel. If God says something, I have to be fully persuaded that what he promised, it shall happen. But again, the issue is we don't always believe. God can speak very clearly to us about certain things, and we say, you know what? I'm not fully persuaded in that. You know what? It's just there's maybe a little bit of unbelief inside of me that's causing me not to believe God's word and what he says it is. But when it comes to our faith, we have to be fully persuaded that what God says he will do. Amen. You online, when God speaks to you, you have to be fully persuaded that what he says, he will do. You have to be totally convinced, fully assured, trust in him and no one else but him, no matter what you think or feel, that God, what he says, it will happen because it's impossible for him to lie and it's impossible for him to fail. So we have to build up our faith. And how do we do that? It's by hearing the word of God. When you hear the word of God, and you begin to get the word of God inside of you, the more scripture you get inside of you, it builds your faith. It builds your faith to the point where you say, I'm, I've not read this before. And just like sometimes you can read something, then you can come back and read it again and get something different. What is that? That means your faith is growing stronger. That your, God is opening your eyes to revelation that you didn't see before, but because you're pursuing him in the word of God, he begins to reveal more and more things to you, which builds a confidence on the inside of you that says, oh my gosh, this word of God is so good. God, what you say is true. I'm, I'm holding fast to your word, and I'm not going to waver or go back and forth. When you become strong in faith, it brings glory to God, and it allows him to do good things in your life. All God is looking for is for you to believe him. He's looking for you to be strong in faith. Because when he's Abraham, he says, because you're faithful, and he tested him in many ways. He even said, the son that I promised you, I want you to give him back to me. I want you to sacrifice to me. You know what Abraham did to Isaac? He was about to sacrifice him. But, the, but, but God stopped him. No, no, no. I see that you fully trust me. And he blessed him. But he was, he was willing to do whatever it was that God spoke to him. He was fully persuaded that I'm going to be obedient. And that if I do it, God is going to bless me with good things because his faith was strong. And when your faith is strong, God is going to bless you with good things. He's just looking for you to say, I'm strong in faith. I'm not weak in faith. Say, I'm strong in faith. I'm strong in faith. 
If you question the will of God, you're not in faith. You have to be settled in your spirit of God's will. How do you know what God's will is? You read the word of God. When you read the word of God, it becomes pretty clear what God's will is and what God's will isn't. Because he'll speak to situations in your life that you read the word and you say, you know what? That's the will of God. So I can hold fast to that and I can put faith in that and I can be fully persuaded in that because I know that is God's will. And today we're going to look at three areas that I feel like are three major. These are three big areas. These are not the only three areas we have to be fully persuaded in. But these are three big areas that I feel that every person that calls themselves a believer has to be fully persuaded in these three areas. Because sadly, there's so many believers that it might be one of these areas. It might be you. It might be one of these areas that you're, I got this one. Some of you, you might say, I got all these three. But you can always grow in faith in more. And some of you say, I don't have faith in all these. I'm not fully persuaded in any three of these areas. I don't know where you fall, but all I ask is that you open up your heart and allow the Lord to speak clearly to you and show you where are you in your faith and being fully persuaded in these three areas. James chapter 1, verse 5 through 8. It says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in him in, or in God alone. Do not waver. Don't go back and forth. Do not waver for a person with divine loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from God. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. Instability is a result of wavering. That's not faith. Whenever there's instability in your heart or in your life, that's because you're going back and forth on something. I've noticed that in my life, if there's any instability, it's because God has spoken something and I hadn't been obedient to what he's spoken. So now I'm going back and forth. Should I trust God? Should I not? Should I trust God? Should I trust myself? And what that brings is instability in my life and I'm wavering. That's why it's so important that we get rid of all wavering, all going back and forth. You know, it, it, the enemy fight, tries to fight you with that so much. That wavering, that going, man, I know God spoke that, but can he really do it? That's what the enemy says. Can he really do it? And now you're wavering. But the word says, do not waver, because a person that wavers, you shouldn't expect to receive anything from God. It didn't say don't expect to receive something. Something. It said anything when there's wavering. So you now y'all see how important it is to be fully persuaded. You have to be fully persuaded because not you're going to waver. You're going to waver. You're going to go back and forth. And there's always going to be instability in your life. Because there's no, where there's instability, there is no faith. Where there's instability online, there is no faith. You have to be fully persuaded. Fully persuaded. I'll give you all a funny example. If I've shared this before, if you heard it, I'm sorry, I'm sharing it again. There was a time where I was in a relationship, and I prayed to God the very first prayer. God, if this relationship is of you, let it be known, let it be clear instantly, in seconds, the Lord, he didn't speak audibly, but he spoke to my spirit. He said, no. You know what I said? Well, that can't be God. Because surely he wouldn't speak to me that fast. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to continue to seek the Lord to make sure that that was really the voice of God that I heard. You know what this day I did? Wavering. Instability. And that whole relationship was instability, the whole relationship, because the word of God doesn't change. God said, I already spoke. 
You keep coming to me praying about it. There's nothing to pray about. I spoke. So when God speaks, there's nothing to pray about. He spoke. His word is not going to change. But what we do is it's not the answer that we want or it's not the result that we want. So we say, I'm going to just keep pursuing God. I'm just, I'm just going to have faith that he's going to turn this situation around. No, no, no. When God speaks, he spoke it. He doesn't lie. He doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't fail. So when he speaks, you better just go ahead and just say, you know what? I surrender to it. Because the longer you don't, the more instability and wavering you have, and you just find yourself wasting time for whatever that situation is, just like I did. Because I couldn't make a solid decision to say, you know what? I'm fully persuaded that that was God. I'm going to stand with what God spoke. But because I wavered, I wasted my time and that girl's time. And that's nobody's fault to blame but mine. Because it says, when you ask God, do not waver. Or don't expect this. He spoke to me. It was clear. But what did I do? I wavered. Instability. Instant instability. So when God speaks, just listen. Be obedient to it. I'm telling you, it's a lot easier doing it that way. It's a lot easier doing it God's way. But that enemy, old Slewfoot, will come in there. Did God really say? Was that really God? Because that's what I did. Look where they got me. Wasting time. <laughs> but these are the three areas that you have to be fully persuaded in. Are y'all ready for them? These are the three areas. Every believer, I want to make this clear. If you call yourself a believer, a follower of Christ, these are three areas you have to be fully persuaded in. Are there other areas? Yes. I just feel like these are three big ones that we see come up all the time. This is the first one you have to be fully persuaded in, tithes and finances. Tithe and finances. You have, when it comes to faith in the tithe and finances, you have to be fully persuaded that it is God's will to bless your finances. Some people have faith to believe God for a lot of things. They don't have faith to believe that God can bless their finances. They're not fully persuaded. How do I know that? Because they're not faithful in the tithe. When you're truly persuaded that God wants to bless your finances, you'll be faithful and consistent in the tithe. How do I know that? Because Malachi 3 verse 8 says that. It says, should people cheat God? You say, but yet you have, I'm sorry, should people cheat God, yet you have cheated me? But you ask, what do you mean? When did I ever cheat you? Because some people say, how do I cheat God? You've cheated me in the tithes and offerings due to me. You are under a curse. For your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in, the te in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's army, is, this is a promise. I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have no enough room to take it in. Try me. Put me to the test. This is the only time God says in the word, put me to the test in something. What is he talking about? Your finances. Trust him in these areas. But how many believers don't trust them in this area? They're not fully persuaded. And it says that if you don't do it, you're under a curse. So no wonder you're in lack. No wonder you don't have everything you want because you're not fully persuaded in the word of God and what it says. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard you from the insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's army. Then all nations will be called blessed, for the land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's army. What I'm saying is this, I'm not trying to persuade you and I'm not trying to convince you. All I'm saying is, is God's words real or is God's word true or not? 
If it is true, you have to be fully persuaded, and that's something I can't do for you. All I can do is present it to you. All I know is this. When I'm faithful to give God a tenth, and the, let's, the, the, the tithe is a tenth of your gross. This is not the tithe. The tithe is not, well, I'll just give whatever I have left after I bought everything I want and paid all my bills. That's not the tithe. The tithe is as soon as I get paid a tenth of my gross earnings, I'm giving it immediately to God because I trust him with the finances and I trust him to bless him. And I've seen it work in my life time and time again. I've told you this story before. Some of you may not have heard this, but when Tamara and I first got married, I was, she wasn't working. It was just me. And for dinner at night, we would have to go to racetrack to eat free hot dogs. That was our dinner when we first got married. We had coupons that I worked at the bank, and there was a, a racetrack that just came in town. And the owners or the developers, whoever they were at racetrack, they came to our, our uh, bank, and they gave us a table stack of like free coupons about this tall, but it was like five or ten stacks. And so they told, y'all can have all y'all want. So I took, I had a stack like this. And I was like, thank you, God, for providing. <laughs> so what we would do is, at, at nighttime, when it was time for dinner, we would go to racetracks. They were blowing up everywhere, so they were close enough you could drive to different ones. So we would go get our hot dogs and get our nachos, and that was our dinner for a while. But guess what? All of our bills were paid. All of our needs were met. Everything they want. And gradually, God began to bless our finances to the point where we didn't have to eat racetrack at night. <laughs> but the point is, I know it's funny, but we trusted God in the tithe. We said, we can afford not to tithe because I don't want to be under a curse. And in every season of life, God blessed us. And we looked up now and we're like, wow, God has truly blessed us because... <laughs> especially from eating racetrack for dinner to where we are now. It's like God has truly blessed our finances. But we were fully persuaded in God's word that it was true. And we put him to the test. And guess what? He did not fail. He did not fail. And we always want God to give us his best. But we never give God our best. And what is our best? It's God, I give you the first fruits, my tithe. I give you the 10% off the bat. Before I spend anything, before I pay a bill, before I go to the mall, I'm giving you my 10%. And when you're consistent in that and you're fully persuaded in that, I'm telling you, it says it in the word. I'm going to read it to you again. It says, I will open up windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have room enough to take it in. Try me. Put me to the test. That's not Mario. That's the word of God. God says put him to the test and see if he won't pour out a blessing you can't contain. That's the, you have to, but you have to be fully persuaded in that. I can't convince you of that. You have to have faith in God that, God, this is what your word says. I'm fully persuaded that what you say is true and that it will happen. When you get convinced of that, you'll see your finances grow. Some people say, well, well I want to be a better giver. Are you faithful in the tithe? God can bless your finances. Well, there, I always seem like I'm coming up a little short of my finances. Are you faithful in the tithe? Because I promise you, if you are, God will bless you if you have faith in him. But you have to be fully persuaded. Amen? You have to be fully persuaded. That's the first area. I'm fully persuaded in the tithe and offering. Second area, I'm fully persuaded in healing and deliverance. I'm fully persuaded in healing. When it comes to your faith and addictions or anything or any type of bondage, you have to be persuaded that God can free you from it. And it is his will for you to be free. You have to be fully persuaded in that. 1 Peter 2.24, 
He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we may be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, we are healed. That's his word. So if his word says we are healed, then it is his will for us to be healed. But how many people don't, are not fully persuaded that God can heal them? I believe you can provide for my finances. Maybe the tithe of finances, you got that part. But maybe it's for healing and deliverance. I'm not fully persuaded. I don't believe God can heal me. It's been 15 years. It's been 20 years. It's been 30 years. I hadn't seen the healing yet. You know what? I'm not fully persuaded God can do it. You have to be fully persuaded at his word. Let's read some more scriptures. I'm just trying to show you the scriptures so you can find it in the word yourself. So you can say that this is God's will. This is not just a pastor up here saying with his opinions. This is the word of God. Matthew chapter 8, verse 16 through 17. That evening, many demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. He cast out the evil spirits with a simple command, and he healed all the sick. This fulfilled the word of the Lord through the prophet Isaiah who said, he took our sickness and removed our disease. That's another scripture. That's the word. What's another one? Psalms 34, 17. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. What is troubles? That's bondage. That's addictions. That's anything that you feel like I can't get free from. The Lord wants to heal you from all of your troubles, from all of them, not some of them, all of them. Any stress, any anxiety, any doubt, fear, depression, uh, uh, thoughts of suicide, whatever it is, God wants to free you from all of your troubles. That's not me. That's the word of God. We just read it. What's another one? Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. What is a yoke of slavery? That's bondage. Don't be held captive to a, to a yoke of bondage or slavery when God has set us free. He wants you to be free, free from disease, sickness, free from addiction, free from bondage, free from anything that's holding you captive that you feel like you can't get free from. You have to be fully persuaded that God wants to free you. You have to be fully persuaded that God wants to heal you and that it is his will. Because we just read several scriptures. It is his will. For you to be healed. It is your, his will for you to be free. But you got to be fully persuaded in that. You have to study the scriptures and say, you know what? I'm holding on to this scripture. until I'm, I don't know when it's going to happen, but I know my healing is coming. I don't know when it's going to happen, but I know my deliverance is coming. My freedom is coming the more and more I pursue God. And the more and more you pursue him, your faith grows stronger. And guess what? Bam, instant healing. Bam, deliverance, it comes. But you have to be fully persuaded in that. Online, you got to be fully persuaded that God can heal you. You have to be fully persuaded that God can deliver you from whatever it is that you're walking through. But I can't convince you of that. You got to convince yourself by the word of God and by having faith and trusting God at his word that it is true and that he will do what his word says that he will do. Fully persuaded. One more example, just because I want to make sure that you get the point. Mark chapter 5, this is a familiar passage of scripture, the one with the issue of blood. Mark chapter 5, verse 25. It says, now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I can may touch his clothes, I should be, I should be made well. Immediately, a fountain of blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. 
And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around to the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? Verse 34. And Jesus said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. What is that? See, we have the luxury of having scripture that says, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I could be healed. Well, guess what? She is the scripture. She didn't have it at that time. She is the one that said, she thought to herself or said out loud to herself, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, if I could just touch his robe, then I could be healed. It was by her faith that she was healed. It says she tried many physicians. It says she spent everything that she had to get healed, but she found nothing. But she heard of a man named Jesus. And when she heard of him, she said, if I could just get to him and just touch him, not even touch him, just touch his clothes, then I shall be healed. And what did Jesus say? Your faith has made you whole or your faith has healed you. What am I trying to convince to you? She was fully persuaded. She was fully persuaded that if I could just touch this man's clothes, I heard all the miracles that he's done. I've seen all the miracles he's done. I've, all these crowds of people, I'm just going to wake my way through the crowd because I've done tried everything else. How many things have you tried? How many things have you tried to bring, bring freedom? How many medications? And, and I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I'm not shooting down medication. Please don't, your pastor say don't take medicine. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is what have you tried? to find peace? What have you tried to find deliverance that has not worked? Try faith. Try being fully persuaded. She was fully persuaded. And as a result of her faith, we can read scriptures like this and say, you know what? All I have to do is reach out and touch him and I could be healed. Isn't that crazy? She made the scripture. She wasn't even in, she didn't have this to read. She is the scripture, but it was because of her faith. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. And be healed of your affliction. She was healed because of her faith. You have to be fully persuaded that God wants to heal you and deliver you from every trouble that you have. Amen? This is the third one and final one, and this is a big one. You have to be fully persuaded that God has purpose for you. You got to be fully persuaded that God has purpose for you. It's sad when I see believers that don't have purpose or they don't believe, I don't know what God wants me to do. I don't think God has a plan for me. That's a lie of the enemy. Purpose is in all of us. So many people struggle with the fact that I don't feel like God has purpose for me. When I hear people say that, I always go back to this. Have you been consistently pursuing environments where God can build your faith? Whenever there is a lack of purpose to me, there's a lack of pursuit of God. Because when you pursue God, Purpose is going to show itself. Purpose is going to come forth. Every time that you pursue the Lord, there's going to be things that are going to come on on the inside of you that God speaks, that you say, you know what? I have to use this for God's glory because I know God is making purpose available on the inside of me as you pursue him. But when there's not a pursuit and, and you make excuses, and this is the thing, anytime there's an open door and an open environment for your faith to grow, you need to be there. So that's prayer meetings, that's Sunday services. Anytime there's an environment where there's an opportunity for your faith to grow, you need to make sure you're in the building. Why is that? Because when you do that, you're positioning yourself for God to speak to you, and he can speak to you through purpose. But if you're not consistent in that, guess what? You always like, with, well, does God have purpose for me? Well, you never know if you don't, constantly, if you don't consistently pursue him. 
If you don't consistently read your word, how do you know, how do you build your faith to know that God has purpose for you? It's consistency. But you have to be fully persuaded that God has purpose for you for, the, for you to do those things. Because if you're not, then you won't pursue God. Because you're like, he, won't have, he doesn't have any purpose for me. I've never met a person on fire for God that didn't have purpose. Never. Never met a purpose that, person that was on fire for God that didn't have purpose. Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. There are plans for good and not for disaster to give you hope and a purpose or a future and a hope. What is that? That sounds like purpose to me. That sounds like purpose to me. Proverbs 25, 20, verse 5, it says, the purposes of a person's heart are deep waters, but one who has insight draws them out. How do you draw them out? By pursuing God. There's purposes that are locked deep down on the inside of you that you don't even know that are there. The only way that you'll know to unlock them or to draw them out is by constantly putting yourselves in environments that allows the Lord to speak to you. That's prayer time. That's personal and corporate. That's devotion time, personal and corporate. That's worship time. That's any time that God has, a, there's an environment for God to speak. There's an opportunity for it to be drawn out of you. But if you're never in those environments where God can speak to you, he can never draw it out of you. That's why you have to be, that's why we say we have prayer on Wednesday nights. We have to be in the building. It's something different than when you're in the building than when you're not. There's a different potency. There's a different level of anointing. There's a different level of God's spirit that hovers in the sanctuary that God can speak to you clearly when you're in the building. And we try to make everything that we do say, how can we create environments where God can speak to people's hearts? Because when he speaks to your heart, he unlocks purpose. But it's only in his environment, and you're consistent in that, that he can speak to your heart. But if not, you'll never be fully persuaded in that, and you'll always be frustrated. Well, I, I tried to live the Christian life, but it just seemed it didn't work out for me. Well, are you consistent in pursuing the Lord? When you're consistent in pursuing, he will make sure that you find purpose because he will draw it out of you. But there is an enemy that will always try to get you to make excuses of why you can't be there. Oh, you're tired. Just take it a little break. You had a long week. I know, I know that have prayer going on, but you had a long week. You deserve a break. You, you, you went last week. You don't have to go this week. And he'll try to give you every kind of excuse that he can make to keep you from being in environments where God can speak to your heart and draw things out of you. What I realized in my Christian life, I didn't ask to be the pastor of New Life Church. I didn't, when I got saved in August of 2004, I didn't say well, at that moment, you know what? I believe in 2020 that God is going to call me to Mobile, Alabama to be the pastor of this church. You know what? I think that's what I want. No. What did I do? I started pursuing the Lord. And the more I started to pursue him, the more he started to unlock purpose inside of my heart. And before you know it, me pursuing him led me to this position that I'm in now. So you know what? When, I took, when tomorrow and I took over the church, there was people that was upset with that. They probably put still people still upset that we're the pastors of the church. But you know what? When there's purpose on the inside of you, you're focused on God and purpose and not what's going on around you. Purpose brings a certain level of focus. When I find people that don't have focus, it's because they don't have purpose. When you have purpose, you don't have time to get dis uh, dis distracted with things that have nothing to do with purpose because you focused on purpose. And when God placed purpose in your heart, 
Get, I'm telling you, there's like a laser focus where you're not distracted, you're not deeter. There's nothing that can knock you off of, of what God has purposed inside of your heart. You're going to be so determined to fulfill the call that God has on your life. So I can't be worried about, oh, well, when we took over the church, a lot of people left. I can't sit in my office crying, God, what you going to do? All the, they didn't even give us a chance to know who we are, God. No, I'm focused on purpose. I'm focused on doing what God has called me to do. And guess what? The, the, the church is great. The church is thriving. The th- church is in a great place. But if I was just to say in a place where I was like, you know what? Oh, they didn't even get the chance to get to know tomorrow and I. What is going on? They, they didn't even stick around. No, I'm focused on purpose because I didn't call myself to this spot. God did. And when I know that God has called me to the position, why in the world am I going to focus on things that are going to distract me from God's purposes? I'm not. Because purpose brings focus. But there's other things that can get you off sight, off, off sight of God's purposes. And this is a big thing that I've realized that knocks people off God's purposes. You know what it is? It's gifts. Gifts. What am I talking about? I'm gifted in this area. I'm, I'm talented in this area. Please recognize my gift. When you get so focused on gifts and not God's purposes, that can be selfish. Because what gifts do is bring satisfaction and glory to yourself. But when you focus on God's purposes, it brings glory to God. And when I say, God, I know I'm gifted in these areas, but I give you my gifts to do your purposes. Guess what? It brings glory to God and it brings fulfillment to my soul. But the more you just focus on your gifts, it only brings fulfillment to yourself. And when they're not being used, you say, well, they don't appreciate my gifts. I'm going to go over here to another place where they're going to appreciate my gifts and use them. What is that? That's focusing on gifts and not God's purpose. There's a friend that tomorrow and I know, and she was talking to us, and she was saying, oh, the church is it's, it's not this church. It's another church. She was saying, oh, the church is not using my gifts. I'm, I, have so, I know God has given me all these gifts, and they're not using my gifts. But what it does is when you focus on gifts, it make, makes you seem like a victim mentality. It's everybody else's fault. It's always somebody else's fault that my gift that hasn't been used. But when you say, I'm not so, yes, I have gifts. But did you know that gifts are seasonal? Gifts are seasonal. There's some gifts that you can use in this season. And God says, I have different gifts that I have for you in another season. But if you don't pursue me and my purposes, you'll never know that. You'll never know that. Before I was a pastor of this church, one of the main gifts I used was the gifts of service. Because I had to set up and tear down the campus. Y'all remember that story? There was a campus we had to set up and tear down. So one of the main gifts I lived with, used was gifts of organization and building teams to help set up and tear down. That was, the, that was the main function, the gift that I used. Was it a preaching? No, I probably preached three times in like four or five years. That wasn't the gift that I was using at that time. But now I'm in a different season, so now I'm using a different gift. But if I would have been so caught up on, well, no, God, I, I, preaching, that's not my gift. Now, organization, serving, that's my gift. And if I got so caught up on my gifts and not pursuing God's purposes, then I would miss out on opportunities that God has for me because I'm so caught up on my gifts. I look at our, oh, one of our overseers, Pastor Jonathan Stocksdale. From the age of 16 to I believe he was 30, he was the worship leader of our church. He wrote many different songs, wrote many different albums. He was a great, he's a great worship leader, anointed worship leader. That's one of his main gifts. 
But guess what? He became the senior pastor of Bethany. And guess what? Now his worship gift is no longer his gift that he's using in this season. He's using a leadership gift. But what if he would have said, you know what? I'm a worship leader. God, you want me to be a pastor? I'm a worship leader. But he said, no, I want to fulfill the purposes that you have for my life. So he put down that gift for that season to pick up a new gift. You never know the gifts that God has inside of you if you don't pursue him for your purposes. There could be gifts inside of you that God's waiting to unlock, but he's saying, I need you to give me all your gifts because there's things inside of you that if you pursue me from purpose, I'll unlock them for you. There was a guy that I knew that he had a great smile. He was real friendly. He, he loved people, and I saw that he was serious about pursuing the Lord. I said, he'd be a great Next Steps teacher. I asked him, why don't you come teach Next Steps? You know what he said? I don't know about that. I, I don't know about that. I don't know if I wanted next steps. I don't know if I could do that. Well, you know what he did? He did it. And after a couple of weeks, he said, you know what? I never would have thought I would like teaching next steps. But I feel like I feel like God is calling me to teach. I feel like God is calling me to teach. So he went back, got his certification, and now he's a teacher. And he's loving what he does. But he never would have been able to know that there was a gift of teaching inside of him if he wasn't pursuing God and his purposes. Because in his mind, he never would have thought there was that gift of teaching was inside of him. But when you pursue God, God unlocks gifts inside of you that you didn't even know that were there. The, some of the frustration that you feel right now is not that God isn't using you. It's that you're not pursuing God for purpose. And there, there's gifts inside of you that he wants to bring out that you don't even know yet. But once you pursue him, he'll begin to unlock those gifts. And you'll see a word of purpose in front of you that you never thought was imaginable. But you have to be willing to give him this gift. Don't get caught up on gifts. Gifts, God, the gifts of God are irrevocable. They don't go away. But what I'm saying is there are gifts deep inside of you, like that verse we read in Proverbs. But a wise person knows how to draw it out. How do you draw it out? By pursuing the God, God for purpose. When you pursue God for purpose and you say, I, God, I willingly give you, I give you my gifts. I lay them down and I surrender them to you. God will say, hey, I'll pick these gifts up in a different season, but in this season, I want to use this gift inside of you. But you never know if you don't pursue them. And again, you got to be fully persuaded that God has purpose for you. But if you're not fully persuaded that God has purpose for you, you start wavering. I, I don't really know if God can help me. I don't really know if God can use me. That's wavering. You got to be fully persuaded. So what are the areas you have to be fully persuaded in? I have to be fully persuaded in the tithe and finances. I have to be fully persuaded that God wants to heal me and deliver me. And I have to be fully persuaded that God has a purpose for me. Amen? Amen. Amen. Y'all give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. And before we close, let's repeat our motto. Say, I walk by faith. I live by faith. I overcome the world by faith. I'm strong in faith, giving glory to God. Let's give the Lord one more hand clap of praise this morning. You got to be fully persuaded. Be fully, fully persuaded that God has great things in store for you. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I thank you for the word that went forth today. I thank you that, God, you spoke clearly to our hearts, directly to our hearts in areas that we've been struggling in, areas that we hadn't been fully persuaded. But I thank you that today is the day of change. 
Today is the day that our hearts are awakened to the truth and that we will fully trust you, that we're fully persuaded in the tithe and the finances, that we're fully persuaded that you will heal, heal us. It is your will that we be healed. It is your will that we be delivered and set free from all affliction, all troubles, all bondage. And I thank you, Lord God, that you have purpose for us, that there is a hope in the future for us, and that it is great, and that we pursue you and be fully persuaded in those areas. In Jesus' name. Amen. You can keep your head bowed and your eye closed. I just want to give one final call, and that's for salvation. We're talking about the purposes of God, but the main purpose that God has for you is for salvation. He wants to call you his son or daughter. And if you're outside of a relationship with him or if you never surrender to him, I want to give you an invitation to come into the family of God, to be called a child of God. You watching online, if, if you're like, you know what, I don't have a relationship with God or or I once followed God and I backslid, but I want to come back to him. Maybe you're in the room as well. You find yourself in that position. I want to pray for you. So I just want to ask everyone just to place their hand on their heart and just repeat this prayer, this simple prayer after me. And I want to, want to help you invite God into your heart. Say, Holy Spirit, I invite you in my heart and I surrender to your will. I lay down my life and I willingly promise to follow you, and to serve you. I thank you for saving me and forgiving me for all of my sins, for washing me as white as snow. I thank you for the blood of Jesus that cleanses me, that heals me, that sanctifies me, that delivers me. I love you, Lord, and I promise to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, y'all give the Lord a hand clap of praise one more time. And if you prayed that prayer uh, and you are watching online in the comment section, just let us know you made that decision to follow Christ. And if you're in the room, there's a card that says, let's connect in the pew back in front of you. Turn it around. It says, I made a decision. Just fill it out. Drop it in the bucket on offering time. We'd love to connect with you as well. Well, that was, I am fully persuaded. Be fully persuaded in those areas that we talked about today. Amen. Amen. Before we close, we're going to... Give, uh, pray for the tithes and offering uh, for Sunday. But also I want to give you some announcements that are coming up, a few announcements that are coming up. Starting January 30th, that's a Sunday, we have Baptism Sunday. So if you want to get water baptized, you've been thinking about it. We've been in 21 days of prayer and fasting. You want to make a fresh commitment to the Lord. You made a recent salvation experience, uh, commitment to the Lord. Come join us Sunday, January 30th. We're going to have water baptism. You can sign up. We'd love to uh, be a part of that experience with you. Also starting January 30th, we're starting what we're calling Revival Sundays. That's right, Revival Sundays. So starting January 30th, that's Sunday, through the end of February, each Sunday, we're going to have a special guest speaker that's going to be in the house live preaching to us. So I encourage you, if you're in the Mobile area or you could get in the building, be in the building these Sundays. You do not want to miss it. We're going to have some dynamic speakers. I promise you the first one, he is excited. He, I know I'm a calm preacher. I'm not a preacher. I'm a teacher. He is a preacher. And I'm going to tell you, he's coming fired up. He left a voicemail on my phone that says, I'm going to bless your people so much, I'm going to knock their socks off, and they're going to have to go to Walmart and buy some new socks. I'm telling you, he's coming fired up. He's full of fire. He's a man of faith. He's going to bless us. That's starting January the 30th, so make plans for that. And also, after the end of our 21-day prayer and fasting on February 4th, which is a 5th, I'm sorry, February 5th, which is a Saturday, 
from 9 to 1 p.m. We have our one-day freedom experience. You can sign up for that. You could go to our uh, Facebook page. They have information for that. You could go to our website, newlifemobile.org. We have all that information on our website for you under events. So if you need more information for that, you can email uh, info at newlife.org. Also, this is the last thing. I know I'll give you a lot of information. I want to thank each and every person that is an online viewer, that is a tither or a giver to New Life Church. Thank you so much for partnering, partnering with us. We thank you guys for your generosity and partnering with us. But we want to make sure that we can give you a year-end statement. So if you give in to New Life Church, we want to make sure that we have your correct uh, information so we can send you a statement. So what we would ask if you're watching online or even if you're in the building today, if we don't have your correct information, do this for me. Email info at newlifemobile.org. Info at, in, I'm sorry, info at newlifemobile.org. Just email us your name, your address, your phone number, and your email. It's very simple. Your name, your address, your phone number, and your email, so we can make sure that we can get you a statement, a year-end statement for your giving for the year of 2021. Uh, also, we just want to pray for the tithe. You were invited to prayer this Wednesday. We'll continue our nights of prayer uh, on Wednesday at 6.30. But let's pray for the offering and the tithes, and you guys are dismissed. Holy Spirit, we thank you for the tithe that's coming forth today. I thank you that you bless it and bless each and every person that give. I thank you that your hand of provision and protection is over each and every person that is a giver today. Bless it and expand it for your glory and for the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We love you guys. Thank you for tuning in with us this week.